Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42. We're going to read this and then I'll dismiss the kids, but I wanted them to be with us as we read the scriptures this morning. Matthew chapter 5, starting verse 38, it says this. Jesus says, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And Jesus said, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time, and kids are also dismissed out this window. I want to welcome you to White Oak this morning. Um, I had the privilege of spending the weekend in the woodlands uh, most of Saturday. My wife ran a marathon, and so uh, she got first place in her age group. And so I was excited to, to witness that. Uh, also, I was made aware that uh, Amanda Gerlock ran a race this week, or this weekend, and she won first place too. So we're just like sweeping, sweeping it, right? It's a good day to be with you, Waddock. I love you all very much. But I have to be honest, there's one thing that terrifies me about preaching um, every single week. One thing, uh, specifically. I love preaching, I love sitting under preaching, but there's one thing that terrifies me uh, in terms of my role in your life. And that one thing that terrifies me about preaching is that because we come in here on a Sunday, and because we open up this Bible, which is God's word and revelation of himself to us, And because I open it and pray through it and and seek commentaries and and teach from the Word, it terrifies me of the possibility that because we do that, you may not read this Bible for yourself. That's the one thing that really scares me about preaching is that because you you sit under preaching, because you hear someone open the Bible and, and kind of walk you through what they think it says, that you would not actually read it for yourself. And I say that because... The authority of Scripture does not come from John Wethington. The authority of Scripture comes from God himself. This is God's word, given to me, but also given to you. Church, I I pray you you read this word, because the same way that, that I teach this, you also teach me through the word. I was born as a baby like anybody else, knowing nothing, and yet I was taught the scriptures. And eventually I got to a point where I began reading them for myself and evaluating my own life based upon God's word specifically. And I I begin that way this morning because as we read in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, if you've ever read this this scripture before, you know that it's it's a debatable text in a lot of ways. I had friends in college who, because of this passage specifically, Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 through 42, because of this text specifically, they were what you would call a pacifist, meaning they believed that there was never a place for any kind of violence, even to prevent abuse or any kind of retaliation. There was never a place for war or even policemen should not exist because you should never return evil for evil, they believed. I also had other friends who had much more nuanced views of this scripture, which, which I hold as well. But as we read this this morning, I say that because let's wrestle with it together. Let's humbly approach the scriptures to see what God would tell us 
through it. You have the, the Holy Spirit within, within you if you're a believer, which means that you have the ability to read this text and for it to illuminate your heart and for it to change you. And you have a mind and a brain and a heart and all these things that God has given you that you can understand the scriptures. And I want you to hear my words. I want you to consider them this morning. But I ultimately want you to wrestle with this yourself because in the wrestling, in the struggle, God makes something beautiful out of our hearts and our souls. So let's start in verse 38, when Jesus says that you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. This is often viewed, I think, as like a, a barbaric text. Oh, back in the old day, it was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, right? A lot of war, a lot of conflict. But in reality, as Jesus is, is examining this, this command from the Old Testament, it was actually, in a lot of ways, a, a good command, because... In the Old Testament, which I think is, people are still the same today, they have this problem where like two guys would get into an argument and like one guy would get mad, he'd cut the other guy's arm off and then he'd be really mad because the guy cut his arm off and then with his one hand that he had left, he would go and kill the other guy. And then that guy would be mad and, and his family would be, well, he, I guess he's not mad, he's dead. But his guy's family would be really mad and they'd come after this guy and they'd take out this guy and the guy's family out. And then his tribe would get mad, and his tribe would come back over, and he would wipe out his country. They had a problem because people would retaliate with greater violence and greater evil, and so this command was given by God to God's people so that the crime or the punishment would always fit the crime. This was supposed to end evil and oppression because it would create justice. So God says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, do not retaliate more than which was done against you. It was given to prevent escalating retaliation. And yet Jesus has now come to bring the fulfillment of the kingdom. In Matthew 5, 17 through 20, as we read a few weeks back, he says, I haven't come to do away with this commandment, but I've come to bring the fullness of it. You see, when it comes to the Old Testament, it's not about doing everything in moderation. It's about doing everything to the full. And that's what Jesus has come to bring. You see, humanity, with these commandments, they're perverting them, and they're running in the way of evil. They're, they're, they're creating more evil in the world, and Jesus has come to bring the kingdom and holiness and perfection and the fulfillment of everything that God has always intended, because the time is now for Jesus to do this. And he says, but I say to you, you've heard it said an eye for an eye, but I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And you notice he specifically says the right cheek, because uh, if you were to get slapped on the right cheek by somebody standing in front of you, assuming that most people are right-handed, which they are, that what he's basically saying here is for a right-handed person to hit the other person facing them on the right cheek, they would have to backhand them. And it's one thing to get slapped, it's another thing to get backhanded, right? I mean, it's a whole nother level. I mean, if I slap you, right, that's bad. But if I'm just like, bam, I just like backhand you, that, that would have been like the most insulting kind of slap you could ever do. And so what Jesus is saying here is not just when somebody insults you, but when somebody like really insults you and really embarrasses you, turn to him the other cheek. And then he says, if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. 
And oftentimes the cloak was the outer garment, the tunic was the undergarment, and a lot of ways people use the tunic as their underwear. So one guy even said technically what this is saying is if a guy sues you for your underwear, give him your outer garment as well. And then he says, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. In Jesus' day, the land that he was in was conquered by the Romans. The Romans owned it. They, the soldiers were always walking around, and they would force civilians to carry their armor because they didn't want to carry their armor. And the Roman government, in their mind, trying to be moral and just, said you can force a civilian to carry your armor, but you can only do it one mile. But Jesus says, if they force you to do this, carry their armor for them two miles. He says, give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. And in a lot of your Bibles, um, the subtitle for this would be called Retaliation. And, and yet, I'll be honest, I think a better, a better way of looking at this text is through the lens of grace. And I think what the scripture says is to be a grace giver. Because it's not necessarily just about love in this text, because love is caring for somebody and considering them, but, but he's talking about someone who has already wronged you. As in like not responding to somebody who has brought evil against you. He's talking about grace. He's talking about somebody who already has a debt that they owe you that you then forgive them of, or you, you love them in response. He says, in all these circumstances, be a grace giver. Respond to hate with love and forgiveness and goodness. This is how we live without borders. And this is the gospel because when we had rebelled against God, when we hated God, when we sinned against him, it says in Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, not while we were yet really good people deserving and wanting to partner with God in our salvation. It says when we were against God, God was for us. And now he calls it on us and says, you are transformed by this. Now you be a grace giver. And he says this because we spend too much of our time focusing on justice. And I believe that, that for people who are not ultimately the judge, we spend a lot of time making judgments, don't we? For, for being the people who ultimately do not bring justice, we focus on justice a lot, don't we? Justice is God's gig. Justice is God's thing. God's really good at justice. Our role in this world, our role in the story of Scripture is to be a people who are grace givers. It's kind of like really famous court cases like O.J. Simpson or the Zimmerman trial or, or whatever the, the case is. And it's like this, it's all over TV and everybody's got an opinion, right? And yet, did you have any say in any of those verdicts? No, the jury did. And I had to remind myself this week that ultimately it is God who decides right and wrong. And if I spend my whole life trying to bring justice against people who have wronged me, I'm wasting my life. I'm wasting my life because that's not my role. Jesus says, he does not say in this text, go out, find everybody who's wronged you, make them apologize to you. And there, there's something good about reconciliation. I, I agree with that. But he doesn't say, spend your whole life trying to bring justice and rightness and, and goodness. He doesn't say to, to do that. He says, look, if someone hurts you, forgive them, love them, respond to hate with love, be a grace giver. 
And oftentimes, this is because our view of justice stems from karma. We think what you put into life is what you should get out of life. And so if somebody has done something wrong, we need to bring them to justice. But we live by the gospel. We don't believe in that. We put in sin to life, and through Christ, we got out eternal life and eternal joy. We assume we need to assert justice everywhere, but Jesus says to be a grace giver. And we do this through this. How, how can I become a grace giver? How do I find the strength to do that? In Revelation. Not the book Revelation. I mean the whole entire scripture. You see, Revelation leads us from Retaliation. That's the second thing. Revelation leads us from retaliation. In, in school, the way we often refer to the Bible as um, is revelation. I think the best way you can look at this book and understand it is that this book is God revealing himself to humanity. You see, the more that you know about God, the less you will desire to retaliate against those who have wronged you. Because you know that God always gets justice right. And the more that you read this book, the more that you read it, the more that you'll realize that God loves you, that he will bring justice, that the day is coming when he will make everything right, and we are called in the meantime to be givers of grace. The more you see of God, the less you retaliate. The more you pray to God, the less right to justice you begin to believe that you have. This is where we begin to apply this text to our life because we see how God has loved us, how God has loved his people. We want to be like him. And so every time somebody comes against us, it's an opportunity to be just like Jesus. Revelation changes your entire outlook on life. It changes the entire backdrop and the entire context of your life. Uh, most of you know by this point that there was like an internet firestorm this week over a dress. Who heard about the black and blue dress? I got a, I got a picture up here, I think. All right. So it was maybe Friday, and my wife and I were hanging out, maybe Thursday. And she's like, have you heard about this dress thing that's going on? It's like exploding the internet. I said, no, let me see, let me see it. She goes, uh, what color is this dress? And she shows it to me on the phone. It was the picture over here on, the, on my left, your right. And I'm like, it's obviously white and gold, okay? And um, she's like, yeah, but everyone is saying that it's actually black and blue. And I get on the internet, and I find out that this thing is like the number one buzzing thing on the internet. Because this picture right here... Everybody's looking at this picture, and they're seeing two completely different things, right? Like, you've got all these humans, like millions of people looking at the same image and seeing completely different things. It was kind of, kind of freaking everybody out. And BuzzFeed took a poll that said that 70% of people saw the, this dress right here as white and gold, and 30% saw it as black and blue. Not this dress, but 30% of people were looking at this dress and seeing something that was black and blue. And so it became this, this huge internet frenzy and was probably the most controversial, trivial picture I think the internet has ever had on it. 
And then scientists began looking into the, the difference and, and, and why people were looking at the same exact picture and seeing different things. And it is absolutely fascinating. I'm going to try to sum it up the best way that I can, okay? Um, and it's very complicated. I read like several articles and it was really confusing, but I think I've got a hold of it. Essentially, your brain is wired when it's outside looking at something and it's trying to observe the color of something, your brain is wired to discount the, the color of the daylight that is impacting the color of the object to do away with that color that it can then properly understand the actual color of the object that it is looking at. You see, all different types of daylight bring different colors to different objects. And so around noon, they say, a clear sun is more of like a bluish kind of light, bluish tint. And yet in the evening, during twilight, the, the sun's rays create more of like a, like a reddish, kind of orangish look on the world. And so what happens in this picture right here is that your brain is, is misreading the color of light that is in the picture. And so your brain is trying to, when it's looking at an object, to discount the bias of the color of the light that you can understand the actual color of the object. And so if you're looking at grass and it's like a, it's noon, your, your brain inherently knows that the blueness is, is adding to the color of the grass, and so it does away with that color so that it can observe the greenness of the grass. However, they say this picture right here hits some kind of a, they say, perceptual boundary. Because the color of the light in this picture is eerily similar to the actual blue color of the dress. There's a blueness in the light that we can't really see, and our brain is discounting.